Chapter Seven of Days with Sir Roger de Coverley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Days with Sir Roger de Coverley by Joseph Addison and Richard Steele. Chapter Seven: The Country Aziz. A man's first care should be to avoid the reproaches of his own heart. His next to escape the censures of the world. If the last interferes with the former, it ought to be entirely neglected, but otherwise there cannot be a greater satisfaction to an honest mind than to see those approbations which it gives itself second by the applausibles of the public. A man is more sure of his conduct, when the verdict which he passes upon his own behaviour is thus warranted and confirmed by the opinion of all that we know him my worthy friend sir roger is one of those who is not only at peace with himself but beloved and esteemed by all about him he receives a suitable tribute for his universal benevolence to mankind in the returns of affection and good-will which are paid him by every one that lives within his neighbourhood i lately met with two or three old instances of that general respect which is shown to the good old knight he woulds needs carry mr will wimble and myself to him to the country asses as we were upon the road will wimble joined a couple of plain men who ridded before us and conversed with them for some time during which my friend sir roger acquainted me with their characters the first of them says he that has a spaniel by his side is a yeoman of about a hundred pounds a year an honest man he is just within the game act and qualified to kill an heir or a peasant he knocks down a dinner with his gun twice or thrice a week and by that means lives much cheaper than those who have not so good an estate as himself he would be a good neighbour if he did not destroy so many partridges in short he is a very sensible man shoots flying and has been several times foreman of the pretty jury the other that rides along with him is tom touchy a fellow famous for taking the law of everybody there is not one in the town where he lives that he has not sued at a quarter sessions the rogue had once the impudence to go to law with the widow his head is full of costs damages and ejectments he plagued a couple of honest gentlemen so long for a trespass in breaking one of his hedges till he was forced to sell the ground it enclosed to defray the charges of the prosecution his father left him fourscore pounds a year but he has cast and been cast so often that he is now worth thirty i suppose he is going upon the old business of the willow tree sir roger was giving me this account of tom touchy will wimble and his two companions stopped short till we came up to them after having paid their respects to sir roger will told him that mr touchy and he must appeal to him upon a dispute that arose between them will it seems had been giving his fellow-traveller an account of his angling one day in such a hole when tom touchy instead of hearing out his story told him that mr such a one if he pleased might take the law of him for fishing in that part of the river my friend sir roger heard them both upon a round trot 
and after having paused some time told them with an air of a man who would not give his judgment rashly that much might be said on both sides they were neither of them dissatisfied with the knight's determination because neither of them found himself in the wrong by it upon which we made the best of our way to the Aziz. the court was sat before sir roger came not but notwithstanding all the justices had taken their places upon the bench they made room for the old knight at the head of them who for his reputation in the country took occasion to whisper in the judge's ear that he was glad his lordship had met with so good weather in his circuit i was listening to the proceeding of the court with much attention and infinitely pleased with that great appearance and solemnity which so properly accompanies such a public administration of our laws when after about an hour sitting i observed to my great surprise in the midst of a trial that my friend sir roger was getting up to speak i was in some pain for him till i found he had acquitted himself of two or three sentences with a look of much business and great intrepidity upon his rising first rising the court was hushed and a general whisper ran among the country people that sir roger was up the speech he made was so little to the purpose that i shall not trouble my readers with an account of it and i believe was not so much designed by the knight himself to inform the court as to give him a figure of in my eye and keep up his credit in the country i was highly delighted when the court rose to see the gentlemen of the country gathering about my old friend and striving who should compliment him most at the same time that the ordinary people gazed upon him at a distance not a little admiring his courage that was not afraid to speak to the judge in our return home we met with a very odd accident which i cannot forbear relating because it shows how desirous all who know sir roger are of giving him marks of their esteem when we were arrived upon the verge of his estate we stopped at a little inn to rest ourselves and our horses the man of the house had it seems been formerly a servant in the knight's family and to do honour to his old master had some time since unknown to sir roger put him up in a signpost before the door so that the knight's head had hung out upon the road about a week before he himself knew anything of the matter as soon as sir roger was acquainted with it finding that his servant's indiscretion proceeded wholly up from affection and goodwill he only took him that he had made him too high a compliment and when the fellow seemed to think that could hardly be added with a more decisive look that it was too great an honour for any man under a duke but told him at the same time that it might be altered with a very few touches and that he himself would be at the charge of it accordingly they got a painter by the knight's directions to add a pair of whiskers to the face and by a little aggravation of the features to change it into the sarsaren's head i should not have known the story had not the innkeeper upon sir roger's alighting told him in my hearing that his honour's head was brought back last night with the alterations that he had ordered to be made in it 
upon this my friend with his usual cheerfulness related the particulars above mentioned and ordered the head to be brought into the room i could not forbear discovering greater expressions of mirth than ordinary upon the appearance of this monstrous face under which notwithstanding it was made to frown and stare in a most extraordinary manner i could still discover a distant resemblance of my old friend sir roger upon seeing me laugh desired me to tell him truly if i thought it possible for people to know him in that disguise i at first kept my usual silence but upon the knights conjuring me to tell him whether it was not still more like himself than a sarsaran i composed my countenance in the best manner i could and replied that much might be said on both sides these several adventures with the knight's behaviour in them gave me a pleasant as a day as ever i met with any of my travels. End of chapter seven. Read by Elijah Fisher.